This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Here's the staff to Riley's. He drops back. Lucic looking for Everly. He's going. Going to the end zone. Now McDavid walks in right circle. Back to Everly. Touchdown, Eskimo. One-timer score. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. How are you doing tonight? Thanks for coming along for the ride this evening. Eskimos news today. You'll hear from their head coach, Jason Moss, in just a couple of minutes. Just one game. Just one game in the NHL tonight, and it is a good one. Two top teams in the Central Division, Minnesota taking on Chicago. We will keep you updated. The Oil Kings in action in about an hour at Rogers Place. It has been a rough time here for the Oil Kings. They've lost 14 in a row. They'll try to end that ugly slump against the Swift Current Broncos. The Oilers farm team in action in a couple of hours. Bakersfield taking on the Ontario Reign. The Condors last night lost 4-2 to San Diego, but we're keeping an eye on Oilers' fourth overall pick, Yessi Puglio-Yarve. He had a goal and an assist in the game. He has now has nine points in 12 games since being sent down to the farm. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 6.07. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. A lot to get to tonight uh, besides the CFL and NHL news. We'll talk a little bit about the Chinook Hockey League. Going to catch up with a couple of guys playing in that league, one from Fort Saskatchewan, one from Stony Plain. The playoffs are starting, which means the countdown to the big Allen Cup tournament getting underway. And... Uh, I'm really pleased. I, I, I taped this interview at Rogers Place this morning. We'll have it at around 6.30. Aaron Roy, uh, bull rider from Saskatchewan, that big PBR Global uh, Cup event coming to Rogers Place November 9th to 11th. Tickets are going to go on sale at the end of the month, February 28th. Uh, this is going to be a huge event, big showcase for the PBR and for Rogers Place. And uh, Aaron Roy, one of the top bull riders on the circuit, he turns 30 this year. He's had an incredible career, and he's fought through some horrific injuries, and he'll have those details. I mean, that is that is a, a that can be a brutally difficult sport. And it's one where you can do a lot of training to try to be really good for eight seconds at a time. If you're good at it, you can win a lot of money. And there's a lot more work to it than just the eight seconds. But we'll have Aaron Roy's uh, story. I think you're going to like that one. Kevin Carius is on the show later on as well. We will touch on a variety of topics when we have our, our little banter. So here's what uh, happened with the Edmonton Eskimos today. Kellen Kennedy is on the other side of the window as our studio producer this evening. Kellen, you're a big uh, Edmonton Eskimos fan. Do you have season mm-hmm. tickets? Yes, you do. Uh, good couple of years for the team. Transition. Actually, they've been pretty pretty good for the last three years. Twelve and six, fourteen and four, uh, ten and eight have made at least a division final three years in a row. So 
Jason Moss, uh, the the, co- the whole coaching staff is back, which is which is pretty unusual. The entire coaching staff is back. Jason Moss obviously remains as the head coach, but he is no longer the offensive coordinator. He's he's giving up that role, and Carson Walsh becomes the new offensive coordinator. He was the receivers coach last year. And I know, especially early last season, there were a lot of times when Jason Moss was interviewed and he was interviewed about the defense, he kind of, you know, not deflected the question, but didn't really answer it. And he said, well, that's up to Mike Benavides, who's the assistant head coach and the defensive coordinator. Um, I think this is a good sign that Moss can be more involved in a little bit of everything. And I'm not, you know, I'm not at all saying that he wasn't leading the team last year because he was, and he has that strong personality. Um, but I think this will give him more time to maybe pay attention of everything and be be more involved in the decision making in all aspects of the game. That is my hope. You can text six thirty six thirty. The phone number is seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. But more on this. Dave Campbell spoke to Jason Moss. Well, it's a rarity in pro football that you can retain an entire coaching staff, but you have that luxury. That's got to feel good heading into the 2017 season. Yeah, no question. It's it's something, to be honest with you, when I hired all of the coaches, I mean, I told them my vision was to have all of them back every year. I said, the only way you're not going to come back is if you can't do your job or we don't get along somehow, some way. Yeah. I was like, you know, I, I just feel like, you know, continuity is the most important thing in football. Um, when you have the same guys around that get get along together, that get players to play for them, have good schemes, work extremely hard and good people, you don't want to let people like that go. And I feel like that's the kind of group we have right now. Um, you know, I thought they all did their jobs last year um, at a high level. And, um, you know, I think we're only going to get better. I, I knew there was going to be some learning to do mm-hmm. to go along with last year, no matter, you know, how confident you are in your schemes or, you know, how hard you work at things. It still takes time to develop it with players and real poor with players and to see what you actually have and how you have to adjust things. So I thought our coaches did a good job of adjusting as the year went on, and uh, that's one of the reasons that I'm excited to have them all back. I asked you earlier about uh, when we did the formal part, when did it kind of click? When did the coaching staff gel? Maybe the better question is when did you feel like your players bought into what you guys were trying to sell them. And people look at that BC game, that probably was the game, but I guess what really clicked, do you think, with the entire team, with your coaching staff leading the way? You know, I I don't know that our team ever doubted our coaching staff. I don't know that there were doubts at the beginning. I, I don't believe that. I think there's just an adjustment period mm-hmm. because it's different and it's new and it's a new voice. Um, I thought our coaches were always prepared for every meeting, uh, prepared our players for every game. Um, you know, it was just a matter of all of us working together um, and getting better at the things mm-hmm. we were trying to do. So, you know, I don't know when the players started to trust or when everything started to work um, better together, but, you know, that BC game seems that everything started to click mm-hmm. after that game and for whatever reason that was you know i know you know after winning a great cup you know the year coming back off of that the team you know they always say there's a change in your mentality a bit and uh you know i think our players recognize maybe that that way maybe that was the case a little bit and they kind of finally put their foots down and said that's not going to happen anymore and maybe they did start opening their ears more to the coaching i don't know but I don't like to speak for everybody so because everyone has a little bit different take on it. But I just know the coaching style and and the amount of work that went in and the preparation didn't change. Mm-hmm. So it was obvious to me that, you know, it takes time. 
and I thought our coaches did a good job staying true to their voice and staying true to the, the things they wanted to do. Obviously, there's tweaks and adjustments every every week, but uh, and anyway, as you get to know your players and such. But <clears throat> I thought as a group, as a whole, uh, our coaching staff and our players were never far apart. It was just a matter of time before it all clicked together. Yeah, you said the voice, and that's probably the biggest thing for the players, getting used to a different voice. And when you come back, the players who were around last year, they're going to be comfortable with the voice. Yeah, I know. I mean, the, the bottom line is this. I mean, in pro sports, when you win a championship or you win, when someone else comes in mm-hmm. trying to tell you something, you've already won a certain way. There's always going to be a little, possibly a little resistance there to listen to it completely. Sure. Um, but you know the way we finished the year, the type of team we had, and the type of players we have coming back, the type of leaders we have in the locker room and on our coaching staff. I think everyone's excited about this year, about what we became last year at the end and what we're looking forward to becoming this year and basically uh, building on the finish we had last year. So, And, again, it didn't end the way we all envisioned it to end. Um, but I'll tell you what, we're going to be a whole lot better team for what happened last year to us. And uh, I feel like very strongly that the, the coaches we put together, the players we, put, we have, I mean, good things are going to happen. The biggest change is you're no longer the offensive coordinator. Carson Walsh is now the offensive coordinator who ran your passing game and also was your receivers coach. He'll retain that title, the receivers coach part of it. That's quick. I mean, but you spent a lot of time with him. So what is what makes Carson qualified to be this team's offensive coordinator? Well, I think Carson, I mean, people look at his age and, you know, he looks like a young guy anyways, and they realize he's 38, 39 years old, and he's been coaching for 16, 17 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also coached under very good player people. So he's coached under, you know, with Scott Milanovic, with Mark Tressman, with Marcus Brady, guys that I feel are very bright offensive guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's coached in the NFL. He's been around great players and and tough environments to coach in and he's always done well and he started out young as a coordinator in college you know very few guys get to go right from playing right into to call and plays or right into coaching and and he's done that for a long time in uh, the lower divisions and and and, uh the ncaa and then you know was a past game coordinator basically or a consultant at minnesota for a year and Mm -hmm. so he's been around and he's been around like i said some bright guys um and then when you talk to carson my first interview with carson just talking about the past game and and talking about the way we run things up here you know he hadn't been up here for three or four years and still remembered a lot of it a lot of the concepts that he'd been working with Tressman under in Chicago were the same as what we do up here mm-hmm. um, and then I just saw from a very uh, after the first week he came up after we hired him you know we started to go over our season review and we started to go over our concepts just how bright he is he's a bright football guy I mean and then you watch him work and the type of work ethic he has. And then you watch him around players and how he coaches them, how he holds them accountable. All the things that you need to see in a coordinator who has the control of a room of 20 guys or 30 guys, you know, he has that ability to get guys to listen, to get guys to, to teach guys and have them retain information. Um, you know, so, and then the way he, you know, relates to our staff. You know, and and gets his points across because that's also something. You know, when you come in as a, you know, come into as a new guy and you're learning our system, you know, he was he was able to voice opinions without pissing someone off to me, <laughs> and we were able to talk and never have arguments of things. And if we did have arguments, they were productive arguments. Yeah. You know, we would spend there was times where we spent on the year. 
20 minutes on a concept of how to read it, how to do things, and those were always productive. Um, and then, like I said, as the course of the year went on, the way we do things offensively, everyone's involved. Mm-hmm. So when we put together a game plan, if he's looking after the first downs with Jordan, I, I'm overseeing it or I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the final product of what they did, and it was always good stuff. When, you know, he has to install things and I listen to how he installs it, it's always good. You know, his attention to detail is as good as I've been around. You know, so, you know, and then how he works, you know, in our last game, week 18, calling the game, you know, takes the next step. And I could see how he relates with Gibby because Gibby's the guy who calls a run game mm-hmm. a lot of times. So, you know, that's, you know, his ability to be able to function and do that in a pressure pack situation was good. And, you know, I have the utmost confidence and people have asked me all the time, like, when do you, I've asked the question because I wasn't sure when it would happen. Mm-hmm. You know, when do you give up a head uh, offense coordinating title to somebody else? And I always believed I was never going to give it up in title without a guy calling plays. I never wanted to have a guy have a title and then say, you're not calling plays, I'll still call right. plays. Yeah. Carson's calling. He's the offense coordinator. He's going to oversee a lot, but he's going to call the plays. So I I firm, firmly believe you need to do that to, get, to, get, to be allowed or to be able to give it up. So... <clears throat> You only get to that level when you have comfort with somebody. Mm-hmm. And I have a, a lot of comfort in Carson. Um, I'm confident in what he sees and how he relates and how he um, goes about his daily business. And that's why I believe and that's why I allowed uh, this move to happen. And, I, the, and then the final straw to that is a guy that wants it. Mm-hmm. And I know Carson wants the job and wanted the job. And we had talked when he first got hired is I'm not sure when that job will come. I just know it'll be open if you do the job I expect you to do mm-hmm. and you're capable of doing it. Uh, well, he's more than capable. And, and like I said, the fact that he still wanted the job at the end of the year, and um, I was you know, glad to hand it over to him. I, I imagine you're still going to stay involved uh, with the offense still, but it frees you up a little bit to, to be more involved in other areas of the football team. How do you think this will make you uh, you know, a better a better head coach? I, th- I mean, I think obviously um, the time that it takes to be a coordinator, the extra little details, the extra little things, time spent, um, will free up a bit. Um, so I'll be able to stay in a meeting longer in special teams. I'll be able to stay in a meeting, maybe go and, 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 and go see what Benny's up to on defense. You know, that's the ability it gives me uh, in training camp, you know, to allow Carson and the offensive coaches to, to take training camp over and I can go into a defensive meeting or go into a special, stay in a special teams meeting without having to try to be prepared for the offensive install. You know, little things like that that people don't understand how much, how time consuming is how much brain power it takes to do that and then on a day on a game basis you know I'm not sitting there with my head on a, in a call sheet trying to find a play. I'm looking at the game and watching it evolve and then getting a gauge of how it's going and, uh, and giving suggestions. And I'm able to kind of turn it off when I have to turn it off so I can go speak to Corey or speak to Benny mm-hmm. rather than so focused on just the offensive side and just plays, what's coming up next, mm-hmm. having to ask Carson, having to ask, ben, you know, Gibby, what do you think, what do you think? And, you know, none of that will be there anymore. It will be suggestions now, and I can watch it differently. So as, I think as a head coach, just relating to everything and having a little bit more time to kind of think and gather, and I shouldn't be as tired, to be honest with you. So that, <laughs> that, that, that'll help the whole thing. All right. Uh, appreciate your time. Uh, look forward to the 2017 season. Of course, you know, big week next week, the free agency starting. But, uh, yeah, you know, another uh, notch on the belt as far as uh, getting ready for the 2017 season. So thanks for your time, Jason. No problem. Thank you.
Jason Moss talking to our Dave Campbell. So you heard, Jason, continuity, the most important thing in football. Really good news that the entire coaching staff returns. Carson Waltz takes over as offensive coordinator, and you heard Moss say, I'm not going to be in there actually calling the plays. He's going to be the play caller. And I I do think it's good what Moss there said at the end. This will free him up to be more involved in the other areas of the game and uh, and be more of a, a, an overseer and grand decision maker in all elements, not just on offense. I think that's, that's really positive. And uh, I don't want to say a better way for the team to be run because there have been a lot of good coordinators who have also been head coaches. But I think where Moss is at in his career, um, I, I hope he's more heavily involved now in special teams and defense because I think the offense took up so much time last season um, that maybe his hurt it hurt his involvement in other areas. Free agency in the CFL is on Tuesday. It's going to be interesting. John Ojo, the Eskimos' excellent defensive back who missed all of last season with an injury, is a free agent. That's one that I'm going to watch to see where he goes. It's 622. Quick timeout. Inside Sports. 630 Chet. This is Adarius Bum from your Edmonton Eskimos. And you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Adarius Bowman recently signed a contract extension. He'll be back in 2017 and beyond with the green and gold. Oilers continuing their bye week. Their next game is Saturday. They play the Chicago Blackhawks, who are currently in a scoreless tie with Minnesota. Eight and a half minutes into the first period. Oilers in Chicago on 6.30. Chet on Saturday. The face-off show will be at 6.30. The game will start at 8. Three-game homestand for the Oilers. Coyotes next Tuesday, that's Valentine's Day, and then next Thursday they'll take on the Philadelphia Flyers. Remember the last time they played, that wild 6-5 loss for the Oilers to Philly, uh, one of the games that went uh, took a big step towards uh, sealing Jonas Gustafsson's fate. He wound up being sent to the minors. He's expected to play tonight for the Oilers farm team, the Bakersfield Condors. Uh, you know, I was at the, uh, the the PBR announcement today, and when we get back, we'll have uh, bull rider Aaron Roy on the show. He has had an incredible career and battled through a couple of horrific injuries. You know, it's interesting, Kellen, with Rogers' place, and you know, I've been told by a couple of people, it looks very good for a Raptors preseason game here in the mm-hmm. fall. Now, they generally play games, a couple of games outside of Toronto in Canada every year. Uh, they were in Calgary and Vancouver last year. Haven't been in Edmonton since 2008. So it looks very good uh, that the Raptors are going to come here in the fall. Now, some things mm-hmm. have to be nailed down. The NBA preseason schedule is very limited. In the latest CBA, they are limited to six preseason games, so they have to be sure that it fits in. Uh, but it looks good that Edmonton's going to get a game. Not sure who the opponent would be. And uh, I am also led to believe the Oilers Entertainment Group talking to UFC about bringing Ooh. something here uh, at some point. And I know people are asking me, is WWE coming? I honestly don't know. Unsure, but could they? They knows? wouldn't get WrestleMania, though. No. It's All too right. cold here. This is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Kellen, you made an interesting comment before we went to break. Mm. Why could WrestleMania not be held 
in Edmonton? Well, the WrestleMania event itself uh, typically takes place last week of March, first week of April, and they like to hold that event in huge uh, stadiums. That's why they always go to the Super Superdome. Uh, this year they're going to the Citrus Bowl. I think it's called Camping World Stadium now in Orlando. All right. And uh, because the majority of these stadiums are outside in March, April. So, that, so WrestleMania <laughs> is now a football stadium event. It is, yeah. So, okay. yeah. so a WWE event, mm-hmm. uh, could, could we get SummerSlam? We could, could get SummerSlam. We, we could get the Royal Rumble. We could What's get the other Survivor one? Series. Survivor Series? We could get one of the smaller network special pay-per-views that they run as well. Are those like called a, house shows? Uh, well, house shows? Or is that something separate? Yeah, the, the house shows or live events, as they're called, are separate, but they're like we have one upcoming here in a couple of weeks. And in Edmonton? In Edmonton, yeah. Where? At, uh, at the Old Rink, at oh, Northlands. Oh, this is at Northlands Coliseum. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the wrestling is still still coming then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you going to this one? Uh, not this one, no. Why not? Because I'm going to WrestleMania. That's why. So how often would and I a have show... To, I think it's also on an Oilers game night as well, too, so I have to do Oilers game night. As, uh, how too. often would some sort of a WWE show come to Edmonton? Uh, if we get on the regular rotation, man, once per year. Oh, so you get something every year. Yeah. But it's not necessarily a pay-per-view. Yeah, if we get on the regular rotation with something. That's the, that's the thing, because it's all about live event numbers. And the last few live events WWE has had here, because kind of borderline, which is put it that way. Bo- Crowds haven't been kind of borderline. Like they weren't trying? No, just they the, gave they gave the audience the, the script. The, said, hey, you don't <laughs> even have to watch. Just read this. The the live event crowd attendance was kind of suspect. We'll put it that way. In in Edmonton. In Edmonton. At yeah. Rexall Place yeah. at the time. We also are hindered by the way by having the Canadian Pro Wrestling Mecca down the Highway 2 free hours because Calgary is such a huge city in the history of pro wrestling. Like he had the hearts from there and Stampede Wrestling and and so on, right? And so if WWE wants to book a show like a live event, it looks better for them to say, "Hey, Calgary Versus oh Edmonton okay so WrestleMania mm-hmm. is the the that's the oldest one yeah then there's SummerSlam then there's Survivor Series and then Royal Rumble actually has the Rumble where they bring yeah. thirty guys into the ring yeah Royal Rumble is the Royal Rumble so match. what's so what's the catch for the other three they just have different names just They're different. all basically the same well Survivor Series is your the, the name Survivor Series is the elimination tag matches that they have during that pay-per-view. So it's like a five-on-five elimination tag match with guys. So they put teams of five against each other, is and they go into one guy's lap. wrestling you don't know? Here's um, what we're going to do. We have, we have two Oil Kings vouchers to give away. So you, okay. can go to a, you can cash them in, go to a future Oil Kings game. They have home games coming up, a couple on the weekend, next Wednesday as well. 780-496-0063. We'll give the, we won't do this on air. No. But we'll give the, the voucher to someone who can ask Kellen Kennedy a wrestling question that you don't know the answer All to. Right. You have to be honest. Fair enough. When they call in. Okay. And they have to be honest, too, that if you know it, they have to say, yeah, I couldn't stump you. So we'll do that off air. Sure. I'll, I can play the Aaron Roy interview out of here okay. since you get to take sure. the phone yeah. calls. No problem. We'll uh, this is good. I don't think we've ever given tickets away <laughs> this way before. Uh, 780-496-0063. But the PBR is 
coming to Rogers Place November 9th to 11th. It's called the Global Cup. It's going to be an international kind of team-style event with Canadian riders taking on riders from other countries. So that's that that's pretty cool. But I got to sit down with uh, one of the best, a, a guy who's been through a lot, and a guy I uh, I knew when he was starting out his career. I sat down with Aaron Roy. Well, Aaron, first of all, good to, uh, good to see you again. I think the last time we talked, you were uh, an up-and-coming bull rider probably in your late teens or around the age of 20 going to lakeland college you've you've done pretty well since then eh? yeah it's uh, it's been quite a ride been going pretty much coast to coast in the u.s and canada riding bulls and just been kind of doing what i love what first got you into it i got two older brothers that rode bulls uh and it was kind of just a family family following that got me into it and so the, the, your parents were always okay with the, the risk and the lifestyle, were they? <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of by the time I started riding, they had to be okay with it because they've already had two, two other sons doing it. So, what, what do you love about it? What first got you really engaged with it and said, okay, let's, let's see how far I can go? Uh, when I first started, it was more of the adrenaline rush. Get to, say, get to go do it and something to do on the weekends. Um, but now it's, uh, it's still the adrenaline rush. Travel, travel is nice. Get to see lots of different places, and uh, the money—you don't get to make that much money when you're only working eight seconds at a time. No, the thing I was going to ask you about that because I, I, you're trying to stay on there for eight seconds. But I, I would—I was always amazed with the preparation. I mean, you guys are athletes. You train. You got to stay strong, and just you know all the mental and physical preparation to get on that bull i mean i see guys getting taped up and making sure all their gear is in the right place i mean it's it is it's way more than eight seconds to me though it it definitely is you're you're prepping yourself for like any hockey player would or football player you're prepping your body for that for what technically eight seconds of work but you're getting three four g's of force pulled on you or put on your body so it's a very demanding sport but it's uh, an entertaining sport and a fun sport to do it can be pretty crushing, right? Because guys can travel to a rodeo or to a PBR. And I know on the rodeo circuit, sometimes guys will do two or three in a weekend, right? They'll ride Friday, drive somewhere Saturday. But it's not like, okay, well, it's not like in hockey or football. Well, I had a bad game. I still get my paycheck. I mean, if you guys get bucked off, that's nothing, right? You, you, get, you get nothing out of that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's... When you go to an event, uh, it's you get bucked off. You're not getting paid. You got to make eight seconds. You got to place in the top ten to be able to get paid. So uh, if you're not doing not doing your job, staying on your bulls, you're not making any money. It makes it that much harder to get down the road because it's pretty much all out of your own pockets unless you got some sponsors. No, everybody knows about the injury risk. You've lived it though. Uh, tell people first of all about the back injury. Uh, when was that and what happened? Yeah, the the thing in this sport, it's not a matter if. If you get injured, it's when, and I was pretty lucky until 2013. I got in a kind of a, what I would say wasn't a very serious wreck. I've been in a lot worse wrecks than that, but uh, the way the bull came down on me at Calgary, it uh, fractured my back and dislocated it, and also broke my jaw. That was at the Stampede? Yeah, at Calgary Stampede. Do you remember it? Yeah, yeah, I do remember it quite quite vividly. Uh, it was, like I said, I didn't think anything. I just came down and I landed in the wrong spot and couldn't couldn't move or anything. The bull came down and kind of folded me up, like Flint said earlier, like a lawn chair. What was going through your mind when? I mean, did you know you were in trouble when it happened? I knew exactly I was in trouble as soon as it happened because uh, the bull kind of left and I went to get up and I couldn't couldn't feel my lower half of my body, so I just kind of dragged myself into the chutes and waited for the paramedics to come. You dragged yourself into the chutes? Yeah, I dragged myself by my hands in the chutes just so I could prop myself up and sit down. 
So, I mean, when, when that was happening in that moment, were you thinking, I wonder if that was my last ride? Yeah, it's, uh, I actually said that uh, the next morning after surgery and everything, I said that was the last time I'd ever get on. But uh, through physio and uh, determination to get back on, I was riding, uh, was it, 18 months later? So you missed about a year and a half of your career of the way? Yeah, I missed a year and a half and got to do some other things. I judged a few events, but uh, yeah, I just missed a year and a half and had to come back later and start all over again. Who do you credit for helping you get back? Uh, it's uh, my wife. Mostly she pushed me through it and having a family. And at that time we were expecting our first child when I did get hurt. So it was kind of the motivation to get back and be able to run around and play with him. PBR writer Aaron Roy joining us on Inside Sports. I mean, that's an incredible story. And then now you're unfortunately dealing with a, with a leg injury as well? Yeah, it's uh, kind of another freak accident. I was at the World Finals for the Built for Tough Series in Vegas last November and first bowl kind of threw two weird jumps at me and kind of clicked my heels. I lost my feet and come over and I was hung up to him and uh, he ended up falling down on me while I was hung up and he actually he broke my femur. So, uh, so you're still coming back from this? Yeah, I'm about three three months into the healing process right now. So I got about another three months, hopefully only three months, till I'm fully healed. And then, if physio goes all together, I should be back riding by June. So this must seem like nothing after the back injury, then. Uh, this is a lot more painful. This one. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, I mean, you've dealt with you've dealt with these injuries. How much longer do you want to keep going? I mean, so you're turning 30 this year. Mm-hmm. What's an old bull rider? Like, I don't know. What's the expected career span usually? Uh, not much longer than 30. Uh, 30, 33, some guys are. There's a few guys that are 34 riding or older, but uh, I don't know how much longer I'll go to it. I want to go this year and try and qualify for this event in Edmonton, and then I don't know how much longer I'll ride. Just kind of like after all these injuries and stuff, kind of got used to staying at home and being with the family most of the time. So it's just a thing that i got to make up my mind. I want to go out on my own terms, and hopefully I can do that. So when you were younger, the adrenaline rush got you into it. I mean, look, you're, you're a pro at it, so I assume for you there's a business career aspect to it. What keeps you going now? I mean, do you, do you still get that adrenaline rush, even of a, of a day where maybe you got to meet sponsors or deal with rehab and all that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah, you definitely still get it. anything to do with bull riding. It's... Uh not many people get to experience that it's like you getting behind the wheel of a nascar and taking it for three laps around the track it's uh that's what we get every time we sit down on a bull um but yeah it's it's definitely that the excitement of it and just being with your friends every weekend is what keeps me going what's it going to be like having an event inside rogers like i know you guys do big arenas but is this going to be cool to have it right in edmonton in this new building yeah it'd definitely be cool to have it in in edmonton i went to the last one they had in edmonton Oh, I can't remember how many years ago it was, and it was, it was outstanding. It was in Rexall Place, but in this new stadium, it's going to be that much better. Uh, building's phenomenal. I've only seen a little bit of it so far, but building's phenomenal. And have a high-class event like this one that they're bringing here, it's going to be even better to have a hometown crowd cheering on Canada at the first-ever Global Cup. Aaron, it was great catch up, catching up with you. All the best with the, the recovery, and we'll see you in November. All right, thank you. Aaron Roy. PBR, what a story. 2013, a broken back at the Calgary Stampede. Thought his career might be done. And he comes back 18 months later and continues his fine uh, 
find work and now he's uh, getting over a broken leg but uh eh, there's some tough guys in that sport for sure reed wilkins inside sports on 630 chad kellen kennedy on the other side of the window all right so we challenged listeners to stump you with a wrestling question you did to get some oil kings tickets did it happen and it did all right how many times how many questions did it take two questions in oh that's okay what was the one you knew Okay, the first question was, what was the Ultimate Warrior's real name? Uh, John Warrior. No. Well, you're partially right. He legally changed his name to Warrior in the mid-90s. All right. But his real name that he uh, started with, or his, I guess his given name was Jim Helwig, yes. Jim Helwig, okay. Yeah. And then he changed it to Jim Warrior. Mm-hmm. All right, and then what was the one that stumped you? Okay, well, we got to go back to the old Stampede Wrestling days of the <laughs> 1980s, and so here's a little music for that. What was Muckham Singh's finisher? And if anybody remembers Muckham Singh, he was a huge 400-pound bad guy, would always beat up on Owen Hart and... Brian Pillman and those guys towards the end of the 80s. Okay. The answer is the big splash. And you did not know that. I did not know that. All I right. thought it had like an intricate finisher name or something. Just the big splash. That nope. was Brad that stumped you? Brad stumped Brad, me. Brad, yeah. thanks for listening and for stumping Kellen Kennedy. That was incredible. We have Kevin Carius coming up, and we'll talk a little bit about the Chinook Hockey League, the playoffs getting ready to start. Love this league. That's next on Inside Sports. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Well, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Just the one NHL game. Chicago leads Minnesota 1-0 after the first. Ryan Hartman gets his 13th of the season for Chicago. Oil Kings face off at the top of the hour. Raptors in action tonight leading Minnesota 50-40 with about five and a half minutes left in the second quarter. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630. Chad, fun time of year. Uh, I know when I uh, worked in Lloydminster, it always started getting busier because the uh, playdowns going on to get to the Allen Cup. We have the Chinook Hockey League here in Alberta, and uh, two guys who are chasing that prize. First of all, going to welcome Bryce Williamson from the Stony Plain Eagles. Bryce, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Good, how are you doing? Doing very well, and I also want to bring in Brett Holmberg from the Fort Saskatchewan Chiefs. Brett, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you tonight? Good, Reed. Thanks for having me. All right, well, just first of all, I, you guys are not playing each other in the first round, so there's no need for any uh, uncomfortable uh, trash talk here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bryce, I'll, I'll start with you. Uh, and look, I'm going to ask you the question probably everybody wants to know. Uh, what's it like having Ryan Smith as a teammate? Because uh, obviously he's been with the Eagles this past season. Yeah, he's, uh, well, I mean, he's obviously... Uh, one of my biggest role models growing up so um it was pretty cool to uh kind of see him wearing the same uniform as us but um you know he's awesome he's a great teammate uh, an awesome leader um and he's a great guy in the room for for you know trying to get us uh to that next step and and win us more hockey games Brett, you play against uh, the Eagles, so you, you would have played against Ryan. What, I mean, look, you probably thought, oh, great, Stony Plains already good, and they're adding an ex-NHLer. Uh, so, but what does it mean to the league to have him in it? Oh, it's huge for our league, I think. Uh, you can tell, like, last year we played Stony in the playoffs, and we had the most fans Fort Saskatchewan's probably ever seen in Chiefs history. And as a player, it's awesome. I mean, 
if you're, most guys are Oilers fans. You grew up loving Ryan Smith, and to get a chance to play with him is pretty special. All right. So take me a little bit through this season. Bryce, I'll start for you and Stony Plain. Um, I, now, it's a five-team league because Rosetown joined, but they're not going to participate in the playoffs, right? Uh, no, they're not. Okay. Stony Plain, you guys go 12-8-2, but Lacombe kind of kind of ran, Lacombe Generals, who, who are uh, were the Bentley Generals, kind of ran away with it. What made them uh, such a difficult opponent for everybody this season? Um. I think that they just uh, have quite a bit of depth up front and obviously on the back end um, with, you know, I think only five or six guys that they had on their roster last year. Um, they've been able to turn over and get, uh, you know, guys that are that are pretty elite hockey players and, and they've obviously uh, had a really good season, so. Now, Brett, for you guys, you have to play Lacombe in uh, in, in the in the first round. What what do you have to do to try to to, to have a chance in this series? Because obviously they're very good. Uh, obviously, kind of like what Bryce said, their 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 depth is really strong this year, and uh, I think if we're gonna have a chance, uh, we need our depth to come. And uh, I guess every guy's gonna have to bring it every night for us to have a shot. All right. Now, playoffs are starting on Friday for both of you guys. Uh, nope, Saturday, I think. Saturday for yeah, okay. Saturday for us, too. Saturday for you guys. Okay. Uh, Bryce Williamson from the Stony Plain Eagles. Brett Holmberg from the Fort Saskatchewan Chiefs on the like. Uh, Bryce, just starting with you again. You played in the AJHL. You played at uh, at Bowling Green University, and then, then you played some pro a, as well. Just to tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, g- going on those journeys and, and then coming coming back to uh, to Alberta. I mean, did you weigh trying to play pro a little bit longer, or uh, what was the decision like to get into senior hockey? Um, well, you know, every kid's dream is to play in the Chinook Hockey League, so that's <laughs> 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 that was uh, that was definitely uh, an awesome part of my career. But no, it was. Uh, it was it was great. I, I loved playing in the in the Alberta League. Um, you know, I had I had four awesome years there. Played with a lot of good players, um, and then going away to college that was uh, you know a tremendous opportunity, and then also became you know an unreal experience for me. Um, and then I guess for playing the, the just the one year of pro, I kind of I don't know. I I just didn't see myself kind of wanting to come back five years from from when I had stopped in, in kind of the same position and then, you know, going and having to get a, a what they call a real job and, and uh, going and doing that five years later down the road. It, it just kind of seemed like it was kind of the right time to start packing it in. Brett, I used to watch uh, you play when I was uh, covering Lloyd Minster. Uh, you were one of the top scorers on the Short Park Crusaders. I think you were the top scorer three years running. You played for the Bloomington Prairie Thunder. Uh, in, in the IHL, and then I believe they they switched to the CHL for so four seasons for you. What was that? What was that experience like? What was it like playing for the Bloomington Prairie Thunder? Uh, it was a great experience. Uh, kind of like Bryce said, uh, I kind of wrapped it up after four years and had to go get the real job and uh, start a family. So, but down there was fun. Uh, met a lot of guys. Uh, played against a few ex- NHL guys along the way, and I definitely missed the road trips. But uh, it's good to still have that in the Chinook. All right, so so you're going through the now. Is this is this the same way it, it has worked in previous years? If you win the Chinook League, you win Alberta, and you go straight to the Allen Cup. Is that what's going on? 
Yeah, this year it, uh, there's no BC representatives, so Alberta gets to go outright. Uh, and I believe in previous years uh, there's been a couple teams come out of BC. Right. So we get lucky. Uh, no teams have to travel and play extra games. And, and is the Allen Cup in? Is it? Is this the year it's in New Brunswick? Yeah. I yeah. yeah. Okay. Which. Which I believe they didn't have a team when they were awarded the Allen Cup, but I'm not going to launch that uh, that rant on you guys. <laughs> okay, so uh, people can just check out uh, ChinookHockeyLeague.com. Your playoffs start on the weekend. It's been it's best of seven, eh? So these are l- going to be long, hard series, eh? You betcha. Yep. Okay. Well, thanks for checking in, guys. All the best to both of you. And if if you meet in the final, we'll definitely do this again, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good, Reed. Thanks for having me. All right. Yeah, thanks, Reed. That is Brett Holmberg checking in. He is with the Fort Saskatchewan Chiefs and Bryce Williamson from the Stony Plain Eagles. Great to have those guys on the show. And, yeah, the Chinook League playoffs get going this weekend. We got the 7 o'clock news. We have Kevin Carius dropping in. It's Inside Sports on Chet. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.